This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to this program today, our warning program. Today I have again Pastor Ty Goldstrom speaking And this message was on December 6, 2003. I was in Jamaica holding meetings, and he spoke on the title, Does the Lord's House Lie in Ruins? Sit back and enjoy the program. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let the winds blow. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Scripture that Tamara read, I think, was... So much in line with what uh, the Spirit was saying through Pastor Bruce. Let the wicked forsake his ways, amen? And then there will be blessing. Praise the Lord. And that word was spoken through Pastor Bruce. That was, that's what I needed today. I'm not sure about you out there, but I needed that word today. I needed that word. I needed that invitation from the Lord to say, Come unto me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. But listen to my word and listen to my spirit. As it says, come, come, amen. Amen. Come unto me. I needed that word today. And I thank you, Jesus, for that word. It was water to my soul. Hallelujah. And when you receive a word like that from the Lord, the devil quickly scatters. Because when you receive that word in faith, when you receive that invitation in faith, There is no room for the devil. There's no room for deception. There's no room for condemnation. And so today we respond to the word and to the spirit of God in faith. And the devil shall flee. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There is power in the word of God. There is power in the spirit of God. Who can stand against it? Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to look into the Word of God today out of the book of Haggai. Praise the Lord. I'm not sure how many sermons you've had on the book of Haggai, but I was inspired by our last class. That class was powerful. It allowed me to see, and as we set the introduction for the book of Haggai, Haggai was a prophet that spoke to the children of God after they returned from the Babylonian captivity. The whole of the minor prophets, wasn't it interesting to see as we go through every single book of the minor prophets that really the word was the same. 
It was the same word spoken through centuries to the same people. It was the very word that we heard today. Forsake your evil ways, forsake your wicked ways, and come unto me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. For centuries, the cup of iniquity was filling with the Israelites, with the people of God. As we learned in our class in 722, the northern kingdom was taken by the Assyrian Empire into exile. Yet, the word of the Lord did not stop. The word of the Lord was still inspired and spoke to the prophets, to the southern kingdom, to the tribe of Judah. And it continued to say, Come unto me, forsake your ways, for the cup of iniquity is coming. If you don't turn from your wickedness, then you will go to a land that you know not. In 587, 586, the southern kingdom was taken as well by the Babylonian Empire. And they spent their 70 years, and then the Lord allowed them to come back into the land. And as they came back into the land, the first journey back, the first group that came back, it is to this group that the prophet Haggai is speaking. And so today I want to start by looking first and foremost in the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1 says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it into writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you, may his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with many valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the temple of his God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought by Mithridath, the treasurer who counted them out, to Sheshbazzar, the prince of Judah. Verse 11, in all there were 5,400 articles of gold and of silver. Sheshbazzar brought all these things along with the exile, when the exiles came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. I like that scripture to start out with as we go into the book of Haggai because when the Lord allowed his people to go back to the promised land, back to Jerusalem, what was it commissioned to do but to go and to rebuild the temple, amen? That was the focus. Why? Because this temple is representative of the presence of God. And he wanted his people to go and to make that temple and have the whole community, the whole nation surrounded and focused in on the temple, amen? The temple, the presence of God. Isn't it interesting in Ezra that we see 
that when God has a vision, when God has a commission, He always provides. He moved upon a heathen man to commission the rebuilding of His temple. And not only did He allow it to happen and commission or ordain it through a pagan king, but He allowed the resources to be there. Just like Nehemiah, when Nehemiah, a century or so later, would fast and mourn and say, Lord, the the walls of Jerusalem are still torn down. The vision would be there to go and to rebuild. And what did the king give him? But he gave him all the resources, all the, the, the necessities that he would need to accomplish the mission. When the Lord provides vision, he always gives a provision. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So God then sent Haggai to the Jews with this simple message. Let's read in the book of Haggai, if I can find it. It is so small. It's right before the book of Zechariah. Starting in verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Verse 2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. So through the prophet Haggai, the Spirit of God says, through Haggai to the people, these people say this, that the time to build the temple has not come. We just read the book of Ezra. That Jesus Christ, God himself, would breathe a vision, a release of the people of God, would speak through a pagan king, would provide all the things they would need, all the silver, all the gold, all the provisions. And he says, go and build a temple in Jerusalem. And yet the people say when they get there, the Lord has not made this time. This is not the time to rebuild. How many times do we get a vision? Do we get a proclamation? Do we get a word from the Lord? And we set about it and we start and we say, yay and amen. Then we find that months later, the project hasn't been accomplished. We have waited. We have stalled. We have not allowed it to be breathed into life. Just because the Lord gives you a vision, gives you a dream, gives you a purpose, gives you a commission, gives you a gift, doesn't mean that it's poof and there it is. But there must be cultivating of it. There must be obedience, Amen. The people said to Haggai, in verse 2, these people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. This, of course, has application for the church today. Today we'll speak about the historical context. We'll speak about the first chapter of Haggai and what it meant to the people of God in that day. And then we're going to look at the modern application, how it applies to the church today, how it applies to you and I today. First, we see the attitude of the Jews. They said, the time has not yet come to build the house of the Lord. The reasoning behind their attitude can be inferred from verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, and the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? They put off the building of the temple. Why? Because they were building their paneled houses. And I think it's so interesting. It didn't say you're building your houses. It says you're building your paneled houses. Not just allowing yourself some place to put your family under a roof. 
so that you can go about the commission in which I sent you from the land of captivity back to the land of promise. He did it by saying, go and build my temple. Why? So that you would be surrounded by my presence, by my glory. Because then if you do these things, everything you do will prosper. Amen. But it says here that they said, no, no, no. In their discernment, it is not time to build the house of the Lord. It is time, they said, to build our paneled houses. And so the work of the Lord was put off. Hallelujah. Their attitude is made clear also in verse 9. Verse 9 says, You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. The message of Haggai. Is it time to dwell in paneled homes while the temple lies in ruins? The Lord's challenge is what? Verse 5. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. The Lord said, consider your ways. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death. The Lord says, consider your ways. You have said this. I have ordained this. Consider your ways. Seek me. What is my commission? What is the word of the Lord in this situation? Let's read the circumstances about what happened to these people. You have planted much, verse 6, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Verse 10, therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. There are six things there that the Lord mentioned. Because they forsake the commissioning of the Lord. Because the Lord says, go and do this thing. And they, they got distracted. They didn't persevere. They started to build their own homes. And we'll talk about the spiritual significance of that for the church today. But it says that the Lord caused these six things to happen. Amen? Oftentimes we'll start casting out devils. Rebuking devils. When things go wrong. But many times the Lord is trying to speak and he's allowing things to happen. Why? Because in his mercy, he's trying to reach out to you and say, come unto me, listen to my voice. Amen. And so it takes discernment to know when there's an infirmity happening to you, whether it's from the Lord or whether it's from the devil. But I tell you what, when you're in deception, you want to always blame the devil for every single thing that happens. We give a lot of credit to the devil. We make him much more powerful and influential than he really is. Why? Because in our deception, we don't want to come to the reality that 
It is because of our ways that we have brought upon this circumstance. It's easier to have a scapegoat. And the devil's always there to take it. Amen? There's six things that the Lord allowed to happen. Those things are the grain, the vineyards, or the wine, the olive trees, or the oil, every other crop, on men and on cattle, and on the works of your hand. He brought famine to those things. That everything that they were trying to do to prosper, it says that even their money bags, it seemed as if they had holes in it. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you go out and you work so hard and then you look at how much money you make, you say, that should make it. That should pay the bills. And at the end, you're like, where'd the money go? Do you ever feel that way? I feel that way. Sometimes I feel like the more I make, the less I have. Where'd it go? Because many times in our carnality, we spend it on things just because the Lord prospers us and gives us more finances. We think, oh, my lifestyle should increase. That's not necessarily the will of God. <laughs> we think because we're blessed by the Lord. We think because we get a nice salary. Oh, therefore, I should be able to live this way. And then I get another salary and another raise. And I'll just raise it up. But maybe the Lord is trying to say, I want to sow into you so you can sow into others. I don't want you to change your lifestyle necessarily. I don't want you to have the nicer car or the nicer home. Amen? He might be saying to you, stay where you are. That's, I've given you all you need, but now go and sow it. Give it away and I'll bless you. Oh, Lord Jesus. The purse that has holes in it. I've been there. The purse that has holes in it. Let's read verse 9 again. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, what? I blew away. I think it's at the point where our professor in the Minor Prophets said that there's many bankruptcies that happen in this world that might be at the winds of the Lord. <laughs> many empires, many people that build up their fortress, their kingdom, their own security in finances and blessing. And the Lord comes and he blows on them. I'll be transparent. My father has been in this situation many times where he puts security in financial blessing and his hope and his attitude and his disposition and how he thinks about life. It's always based on the financial things and how things are going. And I believe that time after time in his life and many other lives, the Lord comes and blows on it allows it to take a sink because he wants to say, now I stripped you. You had a purse you thought was full and you looked and it was empty because your life is empty. You built up treasures on earth. But I want to give you a treasure in heaven. And the Lord is saying, build my temple. Do what I said to do. Do what I commissioned to do. I will bring you prosperity. I will bring you all the provisions, all the materials, all the people to do what I call you to do, not what you call you to do. Amen? That's what he's saying. Ezra, go and make it. And all the blessings, all the finances were there. Why? Because it was the will of God. Where there's vision, he'll give the provision. But now the people forsake the vision, and now their vision is on their spiritual house, on their material house, on their situation, on their security. And the Lord says, no, there's no more provision there. I will blow it away. You'll look into your pouch, and there's holes in it. Your grain fails. Your crops fail. Your cows fail. 
your wine fails. I like what it even says at the end of verse 11. That he brought drought on the labor of your hands. He brought drought to the labor of your hands. I constantly pray for myself and I pray many times when we're praying for the, with the men in the mornings on Monday and Friday that the work of our hands shall be blessed. But that comes with obedience, amen? He can't bless the hands if they're going in disobedience. If they're apart from the will and the ways and the purpose of God, He cannot bless the fruit of your hands. And it says here, He brought a drought to the works of their hands. Where once there was commissioning and people that flocked around to build the temple as that commission went out. Now, he says, I will make a drought on man. I will make a drought on the labor. I will bring them and blow them away and you will have nothing. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Build my temple. Build my temple. The preaching of Haggai proved successful. In reverence, the people obeyed and completed the construction of the temple. Starting in verse 12, then Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. Because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. That was the historical context. That was the introduction. Now, let's bring it to an application to you and I. An application to the church today. The bottom line is God still has a temple. God still has a temple. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it was a temple, what? Made by the hands of man. But today, in the church, it is no longer made by hands, but what? Made by God. Made in the spirits. Let's look at a couple scriptures. Acts chapter 17. Chapter 17 and verse 24. says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 2 says, To the church of God in Corinth, to, the, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul here is saying, I am speaking who? I'm speaking to the church. I'm speaking in this letter to the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, those who I have ordained for a time such as this, the ones that are called out to be my special people. To the church, I write this letter. Now look in chapter 3, in verse 16. He says, don't you know that you, who is you? The church, the called out ones. The church yourselves are God's temple. And that God's spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. So God still has a temple. It is not made, nor commissioned. By the hands of men. Paul, remember when Acts chapter 17, he was speaking to the Athens. 
As he walked in, he is seen all over the place, temples and dedications to the unknown God. And he says, I will make known the God who you do not know. It's the God who made heaven and earth, and he does not no longer dwell in houses made by the hands of men. But now he dwells in a house called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Though a spiritual structure, God's temple, God's temple is still undergoing construction. Can you say amen? Through a spiritual structure, God's temple is still undergoing construction. Let's read a couple of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2. I hope you have quick fingers today. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens, but you now share the citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God's own household. Verse 20, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously, and it continues to rise, to grow, to increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. Verse 22, in him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, dwelling place of God in and by and through His Spirit. So the foundation, we say that there's a temple still going on. It's still under construction. And it says here that who is the foundation? Jesus Christ, the apostles, the prophets, they are the foundation of the spiritual temple that is still growing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 5. Remember here that Paul is rebuking an infant milk-eating mentality of the Corinthian church. And he says in verse 5, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Amen? You are God's building. How does it grow? It grows when we sow in the seeds, when we speak about Jesus Christ, when we plant the seeds. And then what? The Holy Spirit comes and waters that seed. Then people receive Jesus Christ. It's laid on Jesus Christ, the apostles and the prophets. God's temple is still alive and it's founded on those things. And how does it grow? It grows by us going out and sowing seeds, bearing seeds, throwing seeds, being a living testimony. And then saying, Lord Jesus, come with your water, come with your spirit, and make the thing grow. That's the miracle, amen? We can only share truth. We can only live righteous lives. We can only sow seeds of righteousness, speak words of truth. We can only call sinners to come into repentance. But Jesus Christ must deal with the heart. Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, He does the miracle. 
And he builds his church by bringing in people. By bringing in the harvest, amen? We are a people that are supposed to sow seeds. Why? Because there's a greater harvest. And so he's building his temple. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. We'll start in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each one does his parts. And so the foundation laid by Jesus Christ, laid by the apostles and prophets, we go out and we sow seed, we bring in a harvest, and then as those people are converted, they grow up in the maturity of Jesus Christ. Amen? They allow themselves through the Holy Spirit by being yielded to the Holy Spirit to grow, to mature, that a structure can be built up. This whole ministry is geared towards allowing the church to be strong, allowing that foundation to grow to going in and looking at the foundation and looking at the building and trying to convict it of areas that are not built right, built on sin, built on human ways. To make that temple grow as each person is equipped and understands who they are in Jesus Christ, understands their giftings, understands that each person is called to be a part of this temple and this temple of Jesus Christ, the church, the body of Christ. It's supposed to grow. Not just numerically, but also in maturity. The goal of the Christian is to take on the full maturity, stature, and understanding of Jesus Christ spiritually. That's how this temple grows. It grows by number as we cast seed, but it grows in maturity as we yield ourselves, as we obey, as we do those things which Jesus has commissioned. When we do those things that Jesus has said, He will give the provision. He will make the thing grow. If we're about our Father's business, this temple will grow. But when we pull back and we're apathetic and we're concentrating on our own thing, the provision won't be there. And instead there'll be famine. Famine in the land, amen? Hallelujah. So we have a similar task to build the temple, which is a never-ending task. An important scripture that we need to consider is Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore what? Go and make disciples of every nation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all my commandments. This is the commission. What is an interpretation of that? We can say he's saying, go build my temple. Go bring in the people. The harvest is there. Go and take it. And then allow yourself to be used to mature that body. Not just call them to repentance, but after they come, now disciple them, teach them. This is the work of the body of Jesus Christ. This is the commission. When you fulfill that commission, when you're doing that commission, it is the great commission. It is the focus of the Christian life. If that is not the focus of this ministry, the focus of our lives, then we'll find ourselves drought in our lives, drought in our personal affairs, drought in this ministry. It can't be one, two, or three people. It's got to be the ministry. 
This whole ministry has got to have that focus, that desire. And if you don't have that desire, you've got to get that desire. That desire is birthed by the Holy Spirit. It is God's agenda. It is God's purpose. It is God's cry. If it's not the cry of your heart, He wants to make it the cry of your heart. If you don't have compassion for the lost, if you don't have a yearning for souls, He will give you a yearning for souls. He will give you a broken heart for the people that walk outside the covenant because He understands that there is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. He understands it. Many times I ask the Lord, Lord, I want to experience and see some aspect of heaven and hell because there's often times where I need to understand that there is a real hell and a real heaven. There is a crossing point. There is two directions. There is a broad path and there is a narrow path. I need to be shown this by revelation. I need to be shown this by Jesus Christ. I need to experience and understand what Jesus Christ feels. I need the emotions of Jesus Christ. I need the passion of Jesus Christ. I need to look on people that don't know Jesus and I need to weep. I need to mourn. I need to travail in prayer, in groanings that only Him can understand. I need that and that comes from Jesus. That's His Holy Spirit. That's His great commission. That's the purpose to build God's temple. And He says, I will be with you. I will do it for you. But yield to me. Do the things that I've called you to do. Amen? Haggai's message is very applicable to her today. It's applicable to the church. It's applicable to each person in the church. The Lord's house, the church, does lie in ruins if we allow other things to keep us from doing our part to evangelize the lost. Remember the scriptures that we read. We said that through a spiritual structure, God's temple is still undergoing construction. We read from Ephesians chapter 2 that the foundation is the work of Jesus, the apostles and the prophets. We read that it grows as people are converted. That's how the temple of God grows, as people are converted. And if anything distracts you from allowing yourself to witness and to bring in the harvest, then the Lord's temple lies in ruins. Do you understand the parallelism? The church is the temple of God. And God is still saying, build my temple. Unlike the days of old, when you could build it with hands and say, aha, it is completed. The Lord says, no, there is no completion. Continue to go and to go and to sow and to bring people in. There is no building that can contain the people of God. He's not looking for so many people, like some denominations, some cults say, there's only this many people that will go to heaven. He says, no, I want all to come to repentance. I want all to come to me. That is my desire. That is my cry. The temple that God is building is innumerable. He wants all people. It is an invitation to all. He wants to build His temple. And anything that distracts you or me, whatever distracts this ministry from doing that thing, then we allow the Lord's temple to lie in ruins while we invest in our paneled houses. If you neglect to do our part in edifying the body of Christ, then we allow the temple to lie in ruins. 
If you fail to understand who you are in Jesus Christ, if you fail to understand the gifting that the Lord has given you, the commission for you in the body of Christ, He hasn't given all to be preachers, all to be apostles, all to be prophets, but He has given a gift. Each one, it says in the Word of God, has at least one gift. What is your gift? What are you doing about it? It's not puff and it's there and it's fully maturated. No, he says, come and I will develop it. I will develop you. I will inspire you. I will build you up. I will make you useful in the kingdom of God. He wants to do that thing, but it's not apart from your yearning. You're thirsting after righteousness. You have a part to play in building the kingdom of God. As you are built up, then you are a solid beam in which other things can be built upon. But if you don't allow yourself to spend time in the presence of God, that you can be that solid beam without rot in it, that soon as something's built on top of you, it crumbles and falls because there's no stability in you. He wants you to be stable. He wants you not to be tossed to and fro. You know that any structure going like this is not going to last long. He wants you to be mighty in Him. That no matter what happens, persecution, famine in the land, it doesn't matter. You are built. You are strong. You are a man in Jesus Christ. That's the man, that's the woman that he can build something on. He's looking for a man and a woman to build something on. He wants to build his church. He wants to build his temple. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use this ministry. He wants to use us, friends. He wants to develop that gift within you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. You have giftings. And it's your responsibility to come before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Breathe their life onto it. That I can understand what my gifting is. If you say today, I don't know what my gifting is, the Lord wants to reveal it. Why? Because He's building His temple. And He needs your beam. He wants to use your beam. He wants to use you as a support structure to build that temple. But if you don't realize who you are in Jesus Christ and your giftings, then He can't use you. You're a pile of lumber out in the yard. He wants to use it. He wants to bring it in. He wants to fabricate it. He wants to use you as a utensil. He doesn't want you to sit out and say, that's a beautiful beam. Because if you're sitting out the lumber yard, you are not useful. You're not useful. If you say today, I don't know what my gifting is, ask the Lord. Because He has a vision. His vision is what? To go into all nations and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to make disciples, to build them up in maturity. The church has failed year after year, country after country, where we go and we call people and then we abandon them. That is not building the temple of God. Building the temple of God is calling them and then allowing the Spirit of God to use them, to show them, to cultivate them, to chop off the flesh and allow the Spirit of God to make them strong and mighty. That's what Jesus Christ is about today. Is it time to dwell in paneled homes and let the Lord's house lie in ruin? For the legalistic mind, I'm not talking about physical homes. I'm talking about priority. That is the paneled home. What is your priority? Is your priority your will be done? Your mission be accomplished? Your security, your prosperity, to have all your eggs in a basket, all your ducks in a row. Is that your security? Is that your agenda? Is that your priority? 
Or is your priority to do the will of Jesus Christ, to go and to make disciples? If your priority is to build the temple of God, then when he blesses you financially, then you're saying, Lord, how can I use this to extend the kingdom? But if your priority is your paneled house, then you say, how can this profit me? How can this build me up? How can this bring me worldly security? What can I buy myself next that might make me feel good? We pacify ourselves with material possessions. It's a spiritual pacifier. It'll make me feel good for a week. And then you're dry. Then you look in your bag and there's holes in it. You say, Lord. And the Lord just says, build my temple. Build my temple. Is there a drought in your life today? Do you feel dry in areas? We all fail at this in these areas. We all at times build our paneled house, amen? We all get distracted at times. And the Lord breathes on us and says, now look, are you feeling dry? Are you feeling like things aren't going right? That the work of your hands, nothing works, nothing prospers. Every time you turn to do something, it just doesn't work. And you get frustrated. You start casting out devils. And the Lord says, hear my voice. I want to breathe on you. First, I will breathe famine into your land. Why? So you can see the reality. Repent of your sin. Then you'll breathe a new wind. The wind of life. Amen. You know, many people use excuses for building the house of the Lord. They oftentimes put it off when I finish my schooling. Then I will serve the Lord. Then I will do that great commission. When I get to the top of my responsibilities in my job, then I will serve the Lord. Then I will fulfill the Great Commission. Then I will get involved with the vision of God. When I raise my children, then I will get involved. Then I will do the Great Commission. In each case, is not the bottom line the same? The Lord's house lies in ruins while we go our own way with our own lives. In Haggai's day, it was not time to put other things before the Lord's house, nor is it time in our day. We must put first the kingdom of God, amen? There are promises after promises after promises. If you will first seek my kingdom, my righteousness, then all the things of this world, the things that you need, the things that get you by, they will be there. But the righteous live by faith, amen? See, we think in our mentality, the flesh thinks that we need these things. We need all these things. I need that. How many times do you hear people saying, I need this luxury. I need that luxury. Amen? I need that espresso drink. <laughs> well, I won't go there. <laughs> I won't go there. Let's read a couple of scriptures about God's promise. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. 
But the, but the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Just like the people in Haggai's day, maybe the Lord is saying to us in certain areas of our lives, consider your ways. Consider your ways. What have I ordained? What have I spoken? What have I given provision for? Look at your life. Allow that plumb line to come down and examine. Allow the thumb or the handprint of Jesus Christ to come and examine your life and see where your area, see where your life, see where your focus, see where your priority is apart from the will of Jesus Christ. Because he is about building his temple, the church, the people of God. And he will provide for you. He will bless you. But you must first seek his kingdom. You must first seek his righteousness. His agenda. Amen? you got to seek it first. Are things not going the way they should? Perhaps there's a divine reason for the drought in our lives. Perhaps the Lord in his providence is telling us something. If we will put the Lord in his kingdom, his house, his temple first, God will provide the necessities. God will multiply our seed for sowing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting in verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a promise. He's saying that he will multiply your seed. Why? For sowing. you got to catch that. He will multiply your seed. Why? So you can build your own paneled house. No. So you can sow. So you can bless others. So you can allow the kingdom of God to go forth. we got to remember and understand, folks, that everything that he gives on this earth, the food that he gives, the shelter that he gives, the clothes that he gives, it's so that we can do the work of the ministry. It's so that we can expand the church, that we can build this temple. It's fuel, why? Fuel so we can have the body or capacity to go out and to preach the gospel, to show the light and salt of Jesus Christ. Your home is not your home. Your home is a place where you dwell that you can bring other people in and teach them about the Lord. you got to understand that your home is an asset of Jesus Christ, not you. That everything that you have, your paycheck is not your own. You have been bought with a price. You longer have no rights over anything. You have no rights. When you get a prosperity, when you get a blessing, when you get an increase in your job, what do you do? You say, Lord, how shall I use this? 
What shall I do with the increase, Lord? Once in a while, he'll say, build a paneled house. But most of the time, he's going to say, go sow. Amen? There's time for building the paneled house. There's time to focus in on a blessing for yourself. But the Lord wants you to come to his feet and say, Lord, how shall I use this? I want it to be your priority. Because if he allows an increase in your life, a blessing in your life, and you misappropriate, then you misappropriate the funds of Jesus Christ. And that man stands guilty. There has to be repentance before there's blessing. He will cause famine in your land until you repent. If you've misappropriated the things of God, whether that be your house, whether that be your car, whether that be your money, whether that be your family, whatever it is, if you misappropriate it, God will breathe on you. He will breathe on your assets. He will breathe on the hands of your work. He'll bring famine to you. Why? Because He's going to allow you to see the error of your way so you can repent and say, I will start to build the temple of Jesus Christ. The principle is the same. God never changes. When you flow with the will of God, there is provision. But if you start to build your house when it's not time to build your house, then he will breathe famine unto your land, into your house, into your ministry, into your nation. The principles are always the same. For the individual or for the church at large, he says, build my house. Build my house. Might we need to consider our ways? If we neglect the Lord's work, we don't have God's providence helping us. We may even experience God's loving discipline. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 31, if we judge ourselves, we would not have to come under judgment. We saw that the Jews took heart in the message, that they themselves saw that the Lord's hand was against them. They were probably frustrated for a while. They were probably wondering, what's going on, Lord? Everything I do, it, it fails. But finally, when the word of the Lord came to the prophet, when God sent his prophet to speak forth the word of the Lord, they repented of their ways, amen? They repented of their ways. And it's a beautiful thing. What did it say? Let's turn back to Haggai real quick. I think it's important to catch this. It says in Haggai chapter 1, Verse 13, it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. When they repented of their ways, when they got their priorities straight, when they said, I will build the temple, then the Lord says, Aha, I am with you. Praise God. Then he is with you. And if God is with you, who can stand against you? I am with you. Remember Matthew chapter 28. He says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And what? Instruct them, disciple them, teach them to observe all my commandments. And then what did he say? Lo, I will be with you. Praise God. When you're doing the God's business, when you're doing the Father's business, when you're doing what He has called the church to do, the person to do, then there's no difference in Haggai or today. Lo, I will be with you. Praise God. He will be with you, but you must do the will of Jesus Christ. 
You must judge yourselves daily. This is why pastor says every day, judge yourself, pray for yourself. Why? Because the flesh longs to build paneled houses. The flesh longs to use the things of this world to pacify itself. I need this thing. But the Lord says, you only need me. Come back to your first love. Come back to me. Take up your cross and follow me and I will bless you. I will provide for you. Lo, I will be with you. Lo, I will be with you. As I always say, I never speak out of, I always speak out of what the Lord is convicting me of. <laughs> That's what the Lord is convicting me of. And I, I hope that it was beneficial to you because I believe that we constantly fail at making the priority the priority. The greatest thing the greatest thing. And we start focusing in on the little things. We start to focus in on ourselves. And as soon as you start looking at yourselves, you are in trouble. If you're looking at yourself, trying to bless yourself, you cannot bless yourself. You cannot water your soul. Jesus will water your soul. Jesus is the only place you can get joy. If you fight depression, anxieties, fears, you cannot help yourself. Only Jesus can help you. Only Jesus can water your soul. Jesus Christ. And so today, let's be about his business, amen? Let's build his temple. We are that temple. We are commissioned to go out and to bring them in and then disciple them. And lo, I will be with you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father God, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us, Lord, that you will be with us, Lord Jesus, as we do your business, that we do your commission, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, for the word, the encouragement, Lord God, that you are a God who allows blowing in our lives, that when we start to focus in on ourselves, Lord, when we start to build graven images, Lord, when we start to focus in on paneled housing instead of the kingdom of God, by your great mercy, Lord, we are sons and daughters, and those who are sons and daughters receive the chastisement of the Lord. Why? Because you love us, Lord. You love your children, and you will breathe on them. You will allow their hands to be in drought and famine. Why? Because you love us. Because you love us, Lord Jesus. Father God, if we find ourselves today in a dry place, if we find ourselves today in a place where nothing is working, where the finances aren't working, where we're constantly having physical ailments and pains that have no explanation, let us judge ourselves today, Lord God. Let the Spirit of God speak to us today about what we're putting first. Oh, Jesus. Father God, let us not use the devil as a scapegoat, but let us understand that you are breathing upon us. There are many in this ministry, even in this ministry, that struggle financially, that struggle physically, that struggle emotionally. And the Lord is saying today, hear my voice, build my temple, get your eyes off of yourselves. You cannot provide for yourself. I am your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your sustainer. 
Quit trying to sustain for yourselves. Get your eyes off yourself and start to look at my temple. Start to look at my church. Start to ask me, say, Lord, what can I do to build your temple? Let us get our eyes upon Jesus because no man is fit for the kingdom of God who puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Let us keep our eyes upon Jesus. Let us keep our eyes. You will bring material blessing. You will bring physical blessing. You will bring emotional blessing. But we must first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We must seek you, Lord God. And you will bless us beyond our understanding. You will water our soul. Oh, Ramasi. Father God, let our lives, let the children, your children, Lord God, respond to you today. Speak to us, Lord God, this week about areas in our lives where we're building paneled houses. Speak to us, Lord God. Wake us up, Lord God. Shake us, Lord Jesus that we can forsake our evil ways and come to you because you want to inhabit the praises of your children. Bless this word, Lord God. Now that the word has been sown, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would make it grow, that you would make it prosper in our lives, Lord. Bless these people, every single one, man, woman, and child. Bless them, I pray. Bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Father God, thank you, Jesus. You are a wonderful God. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.